0: Why you oi? Why you oi? Why you oi. Oi, oi? Then you then copy radio again.
1: Yo! If you want no smoke free weed, go bud yourself. You need to go plant Go bud yourself. Make your knowledge increase. Go bud yourself. Go bud yourself. Go bud yourself. Hey you guys, welcome to episode number thirty-eight of Grow Bud Yourself. We are so excited. We have a great show for you guys this week. Uh, Nathaniel Pennington from Humboldt Seed Company and his daughter, Hallie Pennington, uh, also the product executive of Humboldt Seed Company, join us to talk about uh, Humboldt and seeds and companies and a bunch more. Uh, We have a great grow segment for you guys with uh, tips on seedlings and popping seeds and germination, as well as grow Q&A, all of it brought to you by Excelsior Extracts. Diamond Cutco, and Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Stick around. Episode 38 coming at you. All right. Welcome back. And this is it. Episode number 38. And uh, Mike G., how are you?
0: So far, so good. But it's early.
1: (laughs) Give it time. Indeed. Indeed. So, yeah. Here we go. We got a great show for you guys. Uh, we also have some announcements to make. We have, uh, you know, our newsletter now is uh, several several weeks deep, and uh, we've got a nice group of people involved in that. We'd love to have you sign up for the newsletter, which you can do at growbudyourself.com. Uh, we've got grow tips in there. We've got uh, special deals in there, and all kinds of news and information. Uh, about the show and just about cultivation and about cannabis in general. So uh, it's a great newsletter. We'd love to have you sign up. What do you say, Mike? Newsletter?
0: Yeah, I think they should. It would uh, it would make a lot of our work more worthwhile.
1: <laughs> Indeed. And along with the newsletter, uh, we also have the Patreon page, uh, which I know we announced last week. Uh, but we have some great new uh, benefits for people that sign up for the Patreon page. A lot of free newts from sweet leaf nutrients uh, which is amazing because you can sign up at the $4 and 20 cent level and you get uh, you know what the equivalent of an $8 or $10 bottle of nutrients for free um, shipped to you so you you know it's tough sometimes growers switching nudes I know how it is once you get something dialed in uh, you want to stick with it and it's very difficult to choose to experiment with something else but this is a great way to try something new, uh see how it works. You know, you get these sample bottles, eight ounce bottle or a quart of something, uh, you try it and it works for you, and then maybe you switch switch your whole line over to sweetleaf, which I highly recommend. And uh like I said, this is a great way to just test it out, test out the waters. A great way to support the show as well. Uh, we really truly appreciate our Patreon supporters. Uh, we're gonna continue to put Exclusive content on there for you guys, uh, videos of the tapings of the shows, as well as grow tips and all kinds of info, uh, exclusive to our Patreon supporters. So please join us over there, patreon.com slash Danny Danko. That is the home of our Patreon page, and uh, you can ask questions there. You can interact with other listeners there. And you can support us there, which we really, truly appreciate. And uh, again, you get all kinds of benefits. So thank you for your support. If you're already on the Patreon and uh, anybody out there who's listening to these shows and enjoying them and and wants to participate more and support the show, please join us at patreon.com slash Danny Danko. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, so check us out there as well.
0: Yeah, and speaking of uh, Patreon, uh, members there can can check out the bonus video from the interview we have on this episode, and that's going to be out, you know, a day or, or two after this episode drops, so definitely go check that out. Yes, indeed. Before we get to that interview, actually, I wanted to get your take on some of the uh, the events of the day. Actually, it's just one event that's been on my mind, and it's, um you know... You think you know somebody and um, and you have a certain maybe a, you know preconceived notion or maybe it's a justified idea of what this person is and then they do something that that takes you a little bit by surprise and uh, I, basically I'm having a little bit of trouble wrapping my head around this and I wanted to to get your take on it. so uh, Donald Trump, maybe you've heard of him uh, recently lost his job um, but before he did, He granted clemency to 12 uh, long-serving, nonviolent marijuana prisoners and uh, commuted their sentences. And it's kind of extraordinary. These are people that had been serving uh, 20-plus years of multiple life sentences in some cases that were left to stay in jail uh, when Obama denied them clemency four years ago. Uh, Trump, let them out, 12 of them. What do you think?
1: Hey, uh, I applaud him for that. And as hard as it is to get those words out of my mouth, uh, because there's so much uh, that he did that I, I, you know, don't agree with. But I do have to say that you know, good on him for doing that. I don't think there was uh, any kind of financial incentive, you know. Although some of the other pardons are a bit questionable, but I think uh, you know, some of those names on that list, uh, you know, we've been fighting to free those guys uh, and gals for decades and it's just egregious that people were serving uh these sentences for nonviolent marijuana offenses so i applaud him for that i think it's a good move i really i wish obama had done it and i wish both of them had freed more of these people because it's not like there's all of them are, are out now there's still plenty of people locked up and uh you know, I know a lot of the people that have been fighting for this for many, many years. Our friends at Seattle Hempfest, our friends at Boston Freedom Rally, our friends at uh, you know Life for for Pot, and all these great organizations. And you know, it, it's something to celebrate in in a sea of, of of things that you know I some of us were not celebrating. So I do have to say uh, thank you to uh, former President Trump for commuting those sentences and for releasing those prisoners i wish there was more you know but i do applaud him because he did not have to do it and he went out of his way to do it and uh i think it's a good thing
0: and to <laughs> as make this, crazy as it is to say as crazy as it is to say and to make this even more kind of perplexing to make this uh, make my head hurt even more apparently this was pushed by jared kushner and then it was agreed to by trump I'm, I'm i'm a little bit floored and i'm almost like looking for something uh, you know suspicious behind it but there just isn't there doesn't seem to be anything there that just this just seems to be a just and and decent act so. well that's interesting and
1: like i said i i mean when someone does something commendable you commend them and i think that's a commendable thing that that happened i think you know there was some signs earlier uh i remember kim kardashian of all people was like you know fighting for other people's freedom and and got into trump's ear and and he did commute other sentences uh during the term as well he didn't save it all for the end so Hey, you know, I do have to say that I do commend him for those pardons in particular. Not all the pardons, yeah. But the those. Bannon
0: and um, Manafort pardons, maybe less so. Not not so much, but, yeah. But I these mean, these pod prisoner ones,
1: yeah. Good, good on him. He didn't have to do it, and he did it, and yeah. and you know, you got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, I'm glad he's no longer the president, uh, but I'm also glad that he did that uh, on his way out the door among other things that he did on his way out the door that I don't agree with. So uh, thank you, former President Trump. Uh, I hope, uh, you know.
0: We hope retirement suits you well. And uh, and thank you, Danny Danko, because I was having some trouble uh, with that. But I think you're absolutely right. We got to just appreciate when someone does a good thing. So there you go. Yeah.
1: I mean, like I said, those names, some of those names I've been hearing for 20 years. So that means Clinton didn't do it. Obama didn't do it. uh, Bushes didn't do it. And Trump did it. So, hey, you know.
0: I mean, you know, at this point, it's almost like, how can you not do it? I'm sure people are thinking that. But, I mean, it's easier to not do something than to do it. You know, like, it, that's why these people have been in prison all this time, because it's easier to let them just stay there and, and serve their sentences than actually deal with it. So it's it's good when anyone takes a, a positive action to, to right a wrong.
1: Yes, indeed. And as things become more legal, uh, we need to continue to fight for the release of those prisoners, the expungement of their records, and just get people back to their families. These are nonviolent cannabis offenders. These are not people who belong in jail. So. Let's free the rest of them and let's make sure, uh, you know, we keep the people's feet to the fire. Listen, I may have disagreed uh, with uh, Trump's policies, but I'm going to keep Biden's feet to the fire. Biden is not innocent in all of this. He has also, uh, you know, been a warrior in the war on drugs. He has been a foe of the legalization movement. He has not been, uh, you know... I wouldn't give him an A-plus on that. (laughs) Let's just leave it at that. But again, he has, you know, evolved over years and his policies have changed. And I think Kamala, you could say the same about. So our VP and our president and our Congress and our Senate all need to act and change the federal law. And I'm not talking about any kind of, uh, you know, rescheduling from Schedule 1 to 2 or 3 or 4, any deschedule. Give Let us... Do banking, release the prisoners, allow home grow and social use of cannabis, and stay out of the way. Don't overregulate and overtax our industry. We will figure things out. It's you. You can have your 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 piece of the pie, uh, but stay out of our way because we've got uh, you know we've got people to heal, we've got people to free, we've got money to make, we've got uh, medicine to distribute, and. Just stay out of the way. It'll sort itself out in the end. I mean, we're going to figure it out. We're going to have social equity. We're going to have mom and pops that can survive against these big uh, corporations. And we're going to have legal cannabis uh, nationwide and worldwide. And don't stand in the way. And I will keep our politicians' feet to the fire. Democrats, Republicans, independents, you know, uh, things are are kind of in better hands, I would say. Uh, But... That doesn't let these people off the hook. And uh, now's the time to make sure that uh, changes happen for, for, for the benefit of the plant and for the benefit of the people.
0: Yes, indeed. The uh, the rescheduling ship has sailed. That uh, is now all about descheduling or bust. So uh, yeah, I mean, I always say,
1: you know, alcohol, uh, tobacco, tobacco. Uh, you know, caffeine, these things are not on any sort of schedule. These are things that you can purchase at the store and cannabis should be just like that as well and not, uh, treated like any kind of dangerous narcotic.
0: Yep. Okay. So that was our, uh, weekly, I guess, pot policy rant where we just talk about stuff that we would like to change, but we have other stuff to offer. We have a great interview with, uh, Nathaniel Pennington of the Humboldt seed company.
1: Yes, indeed. And his daughter, Hallie Pennington joins in, uh, also, you know, the product executive for Humboldt Seed Company. And they are celebrating 20 years of uh, selling seeds out of the US, which is an amazing. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, why don't we uh, take a little break and get back to you guys with our interview uh, with Nathaniel Pennington and Hallie Pennington, the father daughter duo of Humboldt Seed Company, right after these messages. Hey you guys this episode is brought to you by Excelsior extracts and their incredible THC infused relief rub. Uh, and now this stuff really works and uh, I know it works because it's made by our friend outcast and she needs very very strong topicals. Uh, so the relief rub is the strongest topical I've ever tried. Check them out on Instagram at Excelsior extracts all one word. Uh, DM them for info on the relief rub if you're interested. And uh, give them a follow. Uh, They're great people, and they grow great cannabis and make great products. So thank you to Excelsior Extracts. Now back to the show. All right. Welcome back. And we have a special guest for you guys this week. It is Nathaniel Pennington of the Humboldt Seed Company. Welcome to the show, Nat.
2: All right. Thanks very much for having me.
1: All right. Um, now tell me, uh, Humboldt Seed Company makes me think of, you know, the Emerald Triangle of California, obviously. Um, so tell me how you ended up in Humboldt to begin with. You're originally from the East Coast, right? That's
2: right. Yep. Yep. I'm from Philadelphia, New York, uh, East Coast, and came out here when I was 18 years old and landed in Humboldt County. Just really traveling the country with my, you know, at the time, girlfriend. We actually didn't really make it very far after embarking on our journey, but <laughs> she was definitely helped me kind of get out to see the world. So.
1: Right. So. Uh, so you wound up. We're talking about uh, 1995 or so. So That's this right. was still this, we're still talking about the gorilla growing days um, before Prop 215. Um, tell me a little bit about how how it was back then and what you were involved in
2: yeah it was very very different and you know we did pass proposition 215 in 1996 and that was like the first time I voted as an adult uh, was voting yes on prop 215 and you know Obviously a big shout out to Dennis Perrone and all the folks that helped put that voter initiative together, because I believe that that was really the beginning of this revolution in in cannabis that we're seeing right now. But um, yeah, it was different and it stayed that way for a long time after proposition 215 really, because even though the proposition passed, there wasn't – people were not immediately, you know, putting a bunch of plants in their backyard and, and just kind of going for it. There was a lot of caution because it was so different. You know, it was a really big deal. People were doing – getting life sentences for cannabis charges and not, not even a big amounts, like small amounts of cannabis. People were getting uh, long, long sentences and – but yes, we were – Doing uh, guerrilla cannabis farming, as I'm sure, you know, the stories from <laughs> the Emerald Triangle have made their way around the world. And, and that's why, you know, Humboldt and this region are, of course, you know, ubiquitous with cannabis and the world famous for, you know, growing the good stuff was because of those pioneers, people that were willing to do it out in the in the woods and, and my daughter's actually going to join us here in a minute you know she's seen those days of kind of major sneaking around and all the way up to what it is now where we have you know a big office and staff and a big farm and you know that helicopter flies and and we don't freak out about it
1: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so um so you mentioned you know being in the mountains of eastern humboldt um, learning from your mentors um you hear the story over and over of people who um, head out and sort of learn by helping other growers and then eventually wind up with their own place and and sort of homestead it and harvest after harvest you know get bigger and bigger but what at what point did you start uh you know breeding your own Uh, seeds and and basically producing genetics and sharing it with friends and, and wind up, you know, turning that into an actual seed company?
2: Yeah. So we kind of officially founded the company in 2001, but the first time I really intentionally made cannabis seeds was 1997. And it wasn't so much because I was thinking to myself, I'm going to have a seed company. I'm going to, you know, do that, have this be a major part of my life or anything like that. It was simply because in 1997, you did not have a secure place to get cannabis genetics season after season after season. There was like no such thing as, I mean, there were seed banks in certain places, Amsterdam, things like that. But you know, how do you get them back? And, Yeah, So essentially it was kind of like DIY, uh, cannabis farming back then a lot more than it is now. And if you're going to be doing it yourself, then you might as well figure out how to do it all yourself. Cause you know, point a is, is getting seeds or clones and clones were a lot less of a thing back then. Um, Although we we were doing clones for sure. And I also just was like, you know, boy, these seeds just definitely make much more vigorous and strong plants that are resilient. And I never get those little creepy crawly things when I grow with seeds. And so I, I also had like kind of a preference. But, yeah, I started breeding in 97 if you could call it breeding, it was just crossing things so that I could have, you know, grow weed again the next year for sure. And not have to wonder if, you know, like I could get clones or whatever. And so it quickly evolved into where it was a business. And I always kind of like credit, uh, you know, a girlfriend at the time who was like, I think that you should be charging money for this. Like why do you keep having, you know, every winter you're having this like dude bro after dude bro come up and get seeds from you. And, uh, they just bring beer. Cause that's all you tell them to bring. You're like, can you please bring a six pack? <laughs> and like, we're, you know, you don't, you don't need any more beer, buddy. You need, to take the money when they offer it. And so that was kind of where it was like, okay, this actually is a business. And, and it wasn't about, you know, getting money because it was such a small thing compared to like, you know, pounds were $4,000 back then. So it was such a small thing compared to that, but it was just like kind of the realization that I was doing something that people wanted anyway. Yeah. Um, then, you know, before I knew it, I was like, you know, shit, this is Humboldt and, and I should try to formalize this thing and went on down to the courthouse here in Eureka and got a business license. And I think honestly that we were probably like the first cannabis company to get a business license in Humboldt County because – if you think about it, you know, it's like not a name that has to be cannabis seeds, like Humboldt seed company is just, you know, when, when I was at the courthouse, they were like, so it was kind of funny. Cause of course I wasn't prepared for the questions that they ask when you get a business license. And one of them was, you know, what's your address? And I'm just like, Oh shoot, why didn't I think about that? They're gonna ask me where my address. I don't want to tell them where <laughs> you know my farm is <laughs> and whatever. And because by then we were doing Proposition 215 growing, uh, but it was still fairly like clandestine feeling, you know. It was kind of this and well,
1: yeah, you're you know, you're coming up on the 20 year anniversary of uh forming up the company, but uh Going back, what were some of the strains that you were working with at that time um, that were popular 20 years ago in Humboldt?
2: Yeah, so one that I always... I mean, there's Trainwreck, which came from Arcata, apparently. Uh, it was like a little bit before my time that that strain came about, but I've heard different stories. But the predominant story is that it's an Arcata-created... Uh, strain but i don't know for sure so that one was there another one that was really kind of popular at the time that i always thought was a little funny was there's this place called salmon creek and it's in kind of more southern humble and it's it's a really awesome place to grow cannabis and people kind of you know flocked to that spot in particular. And so there were a lot of grows up there and there, this strain came out called the Salmon Creek Big Bud. And it was awesome. It made amazing big buds. And I always thought though, that it was kind of a little bit bold to just name a strain. Like at that time, it was really bold to name a strain after the Creek that you live on (laughs) because you know, like you know that those pounds are gonna like end up wherever they end up. And if once people see Salmon Creek Big Bud on enough pounds or whatever that they're they're gonna go and look at Salmon Creek. They're gonna be like, This must be the place to go do enforcement, you know? And so Salmon Creek definitely did get a lot of uh helicopter traffic after that strain got popular. So we kinda <laughs> we um changed the we didn't really change the name as much as it sort of kind of went away but that strain was kind of bred into a lot of our early genetics uh and it was in it was a clone line so it was nice because i could get it every year and i could cross whatever i had been working on into it and see all these different expressions that would come out and it was really helpful learning about, you know, how the plant reacted when you, you know, did intentional breeding projects and just kind of getting a feel for what you would get, what you would end up with. But some of the other ones, just to mention a few quickly, were Mattaneuskin Mist was a big one, which is like kind of Alaskan Thunderfuck, similar. Uh Purple Haze or Purple Craze, it was also called at the time. And then a whole bunch of just humble mountain hill strains. Like, you know, I met this very reputable source. Um, My friend Sierra's father said in 1968, I flew to Afghanistan and specifically to get cannabis seeds and and got them back here into california and he was like i know for a fact that that's where so much of the different you know kind of indica afghani type cannabis uh came from because you know of course he just spread the seeds all over the hills of humboldt and mendocino and so we didn't name those ones so much, you know, we didn't always have a name back then. It was just, it was good. Humboldt County kind bud
1: was (laughs) right. And, uh, also big sir. Holy weed is one I hear a lot about, yeah, Uh, but not, I don't have a lot of information about it. Do you know anything about that big sir? Holy weed and, and what that's all about?
2: Yeah. You know, the person to talk to about that is, uh, Mojave, um, Richmond, I think is his name. And we, we had a long conversation about it because of some genetic research we were doing, but him and Robert Clark a little bit, uh-huh. those guys. But I think that like Mojave might have some of the seeds from back then because he uh-huh. could have been involved with the creation of it, but it's very, it's somewhat similar to train wreck, honestly. So I think that they might have a sort of a, uh, a family linkage back historically.
1: Right. Wow. Interesting. Um, Now, uh, another thing you guys are known for uh, at Humboldt Seed Company is, uh, you know, biodynamic farming and, uh, you know, being carbon neutral or close to carbon neutral, or maybe even carbon positive. And, uh, you know, what, what is that all about? And, and, you know, how can people, cause, cause lots of people are getting interested in growing, but I don't think they really understand what, you know, uh, how to grow in that way, you know, where you're actually, um, involved in the restoration of the soil and, the, and, and, uh, and, and all of that. So can you uh, tell me a little bit about that and, and even maybe some of your work in salmon restoration as well?
2: Yeah, sure. So, you know, we did. We've done kind of this biodynamic cultivating of you know. We also every year we grow a really big uh, corn and garlic and tomatoes and kind of you know not so much commercially. Although we do sometimes have seeds of of, of things other than cannabis, and we we do have uh, you know a local market that we take things to when we have an abundance of them, but, and we, and we're always like planting with that in mind and biodynamic farming is just essentially, I'm not even an expert, but it, you know, we're, we're definitely growing everything as organic as we possibly can, you know, essentially pretty much all organic. And as far as the carbon neutral, we do have solar and, micro hydro which is really neat it's humboldt's mountainous and so you have these creeks that flow from you know hundreds of feet above you down onto the the ranch or wherever you're at and you can just capture little bits of water from that and create a lot of energy from it through a a little mini water wheel so that we have that at the farm and and yeah we definitely don't take power from the power grid grid. So we're actually kind of adding back and, and carbon negative is a good way to describe our operation for sure. Um, and then what you asked about trying to restore salmon population and kind of strive towards making healthier waterways, what we did and what a passion still is is uh trying to fix up the rivers out here in Humboldt and ironically for a while there was kind of this you know the cannabis farmers and the you know environmentalists or whatever you want to call it were pitted somewhat against each other and this was just about 4 or 5 years ago there was this i don't know it was uh there was some truth to that cannabis had maybe done some environmental harm because of this green rush. And because so many people had heard that, Oh, you can move to Humboldt County or, or just that, you know, North, Northern California in general and grow a bunch of cannabis and, and get rich. And so of course people wanted to kind of abuse that. And next thing we knew we had folks that were, Wanting to, you know, bulldoze the mountaintop so that they could, you know, clear a big ganja patch and clearing giant swaths of what was part of a web of of important eco ecological systems and and so that was not a good look for cannabis at all and and really ninety percent of the people maybe even more than 90% were not doing anything like, you know, most of us had been here for a long time and really fallen in love with this place and realized how important it is to have things like salmon runs and these giant, you know, world renowned redwood trees and this wonderful natural beauty that we're surrounded by here. And we're lucky and, you know, all of us didn't want to change that at one bit. We wanted to keep that as, you know, preserved
1: as possible. It's a living soil. It's an ecosystem that all works together. That's right. Um, You need the, you know, the mycelial strands under this, you know, underneath you and all of that to complete the circle. Uh, You know, I, I think it's important. Um, Now, a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, phenotype selection processes and using large populations, but you guys have actually been involved in some really uh, large plant pheno hunts. Can you tell me a little bit about, about that and and sort of what you look for in a, in a huge pheno hunt?
2: Yeah. Folks should check out our, uh, you on our website, you can go, we've made movies about our pheno hunting Well, they're like 45 minutes, but close enough. Anyway, we did in two thousand. What was it? 2018. Uh, My daughter's here. She cut fifteen thousand clones (laughs) off of from the field. (laughs) You know, because that's we learned over the years. The best way to pheno hunt is to go and and make sure that you capture a vegetative cutting from all the different plants you're hunting. You know, before they flower because then it's it becomes tough because you're trying to revert them back from flower. So we would go out do that. We did 10,000 total plants, but we often would take two cuttings per because you don't have 100% survival. So she kept track her and and the team that that we were you know that we had got hired and they just went up and down all these different farms that we collaborated with. And we try to make, when we sell seeds, we want to sell seeds that have already been pheno hunted and we've kind of landed on a specific, essentially like made the seed into a strain so that it's not going to just totally vary. And you're going to get, you know, all different kinds of totally different looking cannabis because being in Humboldt County You know, we had already done that and, you know, provided seeds to people that that were like that, where it's like if you cross Girl Scout cookie and, you know, Gorilla Glue, you're going to get a bunch that look like Gorilla Glue, a bunch that look like Girl Scout, a bunch that look like Girl Scout, like Durban Poison, which is one of Girl Scout's uh, parents and so on and so forth. So you might get 20 different strains we figured out that farms don't really appreciate that. Like they don't, they, they kind of are annoyed and they're like, come back to you in the next winter. And they say, you know, boy, your genetics were super cool. They got really big and everything did well, but I'll tell you it was rough because our pounds looked different. And as the, the, kind of industry or whatever you want to call it progressed people would want you know go from just being happy with like a few pounds of of a strain to like wanting to get even like hundreds and it had to look the same and so if you were providing genetics that had a ton of variation inside of them people couldn't use it they They wanted to use it because it made their biggest, healthiest plants, but they just couldn't. So we had to figure out how to make genetics that were uniform. And you start by phenohunting so that the next farm doesn't have to. And they know, you know, now you've landed on a phenotype or like a unique expression that is really redeeming for whatever reason and you know has qualities and whatnot. So then you essentially start inbreeding that, and that it, that's one way of doing it. Now I'm getting technical, but
1: right. Well, <laughs> you know I'd like to mention that you know you guys have uh, regular feminized uh, autoflower plants as well as hemp CBD plants, uh, including feminized hemp CBD plants. And on that note, also to introduce uh, your daughter. Uh, as well, Hallie Pennington, product executive for Humboldt Seed Company. Uh, Hallie, can you just uh, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what what that entails as far as being the product executive at Humboldt Seeds?
3: Yeah, well, it's been a wild last couple of years for sure. When you know we got thrown into the whole entire permitting process, we were still to be entirely honest, we were working out of my old bedroom. And so we went from that to being a full scale up and running facility. And, you know, that has required a lot from both my dad and I, it's, you know, it's developing an entire business and there's no manual for how to do this stuff. You know, we're one of the first States to get fully involved in it. And, you know, there's hardly any seed companies at all that I think are legal to the scale that we are at least in it, you know, definitely makes things a little bit trickier, but it's also a lot more fun because we finally get to advertise our stuff. We get to see our friends posting our product and, you know, we get to see happy customers all over the place and that's all we ever really want.
2: And right. as far yeah, as we concerned, they're all legal actually. <laughs> Cause it's just seeds. So. Yeah. I mean, you
3: know, it's right. yeah. As far as it mm-hmm. comes to us, it's like there's no THC in the seed. So it's honestly, it's, you know, kind of ridiculous that we have to jump through so many hoops to be able to do what we do, but we're just, you know, lucky that we have the opportunity to get them out there. And all we've ever wanted to do was be able to share quality genetics with our communities.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And have you seen, uh, an increased interest in, uh, the hemp, uh, and CBD seeds? And also can, can you elaborate a little bit, uh, yourself or not about, uh, that collaboration, because I believe that's in, uh, you know, along with, uh, native tribes of, in the California region.
3: Yeah. That collaboration has definitely been something that's super special to us because I grew up alongside with my dad, working really closely with our local tribes, uh, in, you know, doing river restoration projects as well as the Klamath dam removal movement. And, you know, we dedicated a lot of time and energy into that and, became really close with those guys and you know, to be able to establish anything that's going to be positive for both their communities as well as, you know, us and our family is amazing. And it's something that we've been doing for a long time, but we've never done it in this industry. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so people should just check out, uh, um, yeah. and twosnakes- and twosnakesseed.com is the site for, uh, those hemp seeds. Um, tell me a little bit about just growing up in, you know, obviously pretty deeply immersed in the cannabis lifestyle, uh, you know, with the dad who's trekking out to his outdoor spots <laughs> with you, you know, in a backpack. What, what What's that kind of life growing up like?
3: You know, for me, I never really thought much about it because that's just, you know, where I was born and what we were doing. It was like, we did all sorts of gardening, and I never really recognized the cannabis plant to be anything different than a tomato or a corn patch or whatever we were doing at the time. And so, you know, I kind of have gotten the picture a little bit more the more I grow up that it's not necessarily the average, you know, lifestyle to be born into. But I feel very fortunate to have got to grown up with the plants in all aspects, whether or not it's just our veggie garden or you know our fields of cannabis it's you know it's just kind of a lifestyle and it's the same as almost you know any farmer it ties you in with nature and your surroundings and it's you know given me the ability to always appreciate growing my own product and you know acknowledging what goes into the things you grow because that's you know realistically your you know fuel for your whole entire body and your well-being and it's the same with what you smoke
1: absolutely um, speaking of which, um, what are some of your favorite strains or Nat's favorite strains uh, of of your of your you know seed company?
3: Gosh, that's always such a tough question for me to answer because honestly, we've always strived to provide a lot of variety in our seed catalog. We know everyone has different preferences, and even for me, it just depends on the time of day, to be honest. But some of my all-time favorites, of course, I love the blueberry muffin and the, you know, the taste is incredible. I don't think I've ever smoked anything that quite compares, but our newer hibiscus line, that one's one of my favorites as well. And then we have a few really exciting ones dropping this year, like, uh, One of our new strains, the Jelly Rancher, is I think probably going to be one of my all-time favorites. I haven't gotten to smoke quite enough of it yet, unfortunately, but I think I'll be smoking that all season this year. Oh,
1: right on. (laughs) I kind of find
2: the gassy strains are better. And this is – you've heard this a million times, I'm sure, but those I enjoy more in the evening and the fruitier – sativa types i like earlier in the day and or all day <laughs> so
1: yeah well that's awesome and uh for you listeners uh please check out humboldtseedcompany.com you can see some incredible strains there uh the blueberry muffin just mentioned but also uh humboldt dream jack Herer, uh lemon kush tons of just really incredible strains with pedigree from humboldt county uh i want to thank uh nathaniel pennington and hallie pennington for coming on to the show uh check them out on social media as well uh humboldtseedcompany.com and uh thanks you guys thanks danny and we'll be right back with more grow bud yourself Hey guys, Grow Bud Yourself is so proud to be sponsored by Sweet Leaf Nutrients. They have an incredible line of organic and synthetic nutrients, uh, amazing amendments, great stuff on their website, and using the code DANCO15, you can get 15% off of everything at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F. They have amazing organic fertilizers, amendments, indoor hydroponic grow tent kits, uh, smell-proof bags, duffel bags, all kinds of backpacks, and an incredible line of newts that work wonderfully with cannabis. We got a great promotion going on with Patreon, where we're giving away Sweetleaf nutrients at those different levels and lots of promo codes there as well. So we are just super psyched to have Sweetleaf on as a sponsor for the show, and we hope that you will also support them. Join us on our Patreon page for some free newts, And check out their site, sweetleaf.com, for nutrients and more. All right. Welcome back. And, uh, yeah, nice interview there with Nathaniel and Hallie, Humboldt Seed Company. uh, Great organization. And we are now, I believe, in the cultivation section, and I want to do a little bit of uh, seed talk, but first, let's talk about our sponsor for the cultivation section, Diamond Cut Co. Trimming Scissors. These scissors are incredible. These are the connoisseur's choice. They're made for growers by growers uh, with conscious ergonomic designs, so, you know, trimming is fun for the first couple of hours or so, you know, the... The novelty wears off and the fatigue kicks in. And that's when you really need uh, connoisseur standard trimming scissors. And Diamond Cutco has uh, a variety of products, five different types of scissors, different sizes, different handles, different materials, but all very, very useful. And we have a code Denko 20 for 20% off on these amazing uh, connoisseur quality trimming scissors. So if you're growing, anticipating trimming, you need to get yourself some Diamond Cut Co's immediately. Check them out at diamondcutco.com and on Instagram as Diamond period Cut period Co. Diamond Cutco.
0: Thank you, Diamond Cut Co. And welcome to the cultivation segment. Our listeners, I think, know uh, we did this strain last week. So this week, there is no strain, but each week, Dan likes to talk about a, a cultivation topic that's going to make you ultimately a better grower. So, what would you like to discuss this week?
1: Yeah, well, because we had uh, you know uh, Nat from the seed company there on the show, I'd like to talk about popping seeds, germination. Uh, I know we've talked about this before, uh, but it's so important to germinate seeds properly, especially if you're paying you know forty, fifty or a hundred dollars for a pack of ten seeds. Uh, if they're regular seeds, you're gonna get probably about half and half males to females. So now you're talking about, you know four or five seeds that are going to be uh you know viable females and you know it's just super important that every one of those seeds pops properly so i'm going to take you through a couple of different simple effective techniques uh and remember when the seedlings pop properly they end up being very strong and healthy plants if they don't pop properly or if you kind of mistreat them in the first couple of weeks You're going to have weak plants, uh, and they're going to have to recover. So this is far more important than just, hey, pop them in the soil, water them in, and pray for the best. Uh, So there's several ways. Uh, A lot of people use the the moist paper towel method. This is pretty simple. You basically just take two uh, moistened paper towels, not soaking wet, but moist, uh, put the seeds in between the moist paper towels, put them on a plate, Uh, and wait until they just start popping open. should be, you know, within a day or two, to be honest. I mean, typically it happens that quick. uh, If, you know, you keep them nice and warm, too. You don't want to put them in a cold place. Uh, But once those uh, just crack open and you just start seeing uh, the little, you know, uh, tap root, main root, uh, at first it'll just look like a tiny little white, um, almost like a little... Piece of yarn or something that's coming out of the crack of the seeds. Uh, there's two important things that you're going to remember if using this technique. Uh, you don't want to let that emerging root get very long, no longer than you know a quarter of an inch. So, and it grows really quickly. Um, the other thing is you want to be sure to place that seedling into your growing medium with the tap root pointing downward. Uh, you don't want to have the, have to have the taproot turn around and, um, basically confuse that seed into thinking it's upside down. So that's the moist paper towel method. Um, uh, make sure when you do place that seedling into your growing medium, you do so, uh, you know, down about a quarter to a half inch, uh, into your medium, make sure that medium is moist and somewhat warm as well. Uh The easiest and, in my opinion, most fail-proof way to sow seeds is directly into your growing medium of choice. So whether it's cocoa coir, rockwool cubes, uh, soilless mix, uh, whatever it is, moisten up that mix. uh, Poke a hole in it. I like to use uh, chopsticks for this. It's just about the perfect size. Uh, Drop a seed in at about a quarter to a half inch deep. Um, Cover the seed with more of the mix. Uh, Keep that Moist and warm certainly wouldn't hurt to put uh, some clear plastic wrap over the container that maintains humidity at the surface of your medium and really creates a little greenhouse there for the seedling. Just got to remember to take that plastic wrap off (laughs) once the seedling pops out and starts growing. Uh, In a few days, you should see a tiny green shoot emerging from your medium uh, immediately and post haste. You need to place it under adequate lighting. You don't want this thing stretching. Uh, and you also don't want that lighting to be too hot or too close to that seedling. So it's very important to you know judge this wisely. Uh, and that'll keep your seedling strong and keep it from stretching. And that's very important down the line because a couple of inches of stretch when its tiny seedling ends up being a, a foot or more once the plant uh, gets bigger and matures. So nice to keep them short, stocky, strong, so they can hold up all the bud that you're going to be growing on them in the future. Um, Another thing is take care to maintain sanitation standards uh, with your seedlings. You should do this all the time, but especially during this uh, very crucial early stage, fungalist infestations and things like that can really destroy your seedlings very quickly. So you want to keep your grow room clean. Uh, Start with a good quality medium. Don't reuse uh, mediums for seedlings. Uh, Use clean containers, wash your hands uh, and your seedlings should get off to a good, strong start. And like I said, just get them under light and uh, keep them nice and, and short and stocky. And you will have an amazing, strong plant from your
0: seedling. All right. Good advice as always. So thank you for that. And uh, now it is time for us to uh, take some questions from our listeners. If you have a question that you'd like answered on this show, you, could, uh, you can get a hold of us. Uh, email is the best way. That is info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, What do you say we jump right in, take some questions? Let's do it. All right. This uh, first one is from Jeff, who writes, uh, Hey, Danny and Mike, I have a question about flushing a nitrogen toxicity in my organic soil. If I flush a few gallons of water through my organic soil to get rid of my nitrogen toxicity, would this not flush away the rest of my amended nutrients? Do you have any suggestions on how to fix a nitrogen toxicity issue? Uh, What would you say to Jeff?
1: Yes, uh, Jeff. Unfortunately, yes. When you flush uh, out a particular nutrient, you flush out everything that's there. So uh, you've you've determined a nitrogen toxicity. I'm assuming you've got like some burnt leaf tips. Uh, that's usually the first sign: just real dark green uh, growth, and then the leaves leaf tips start burning uh, due to too much nitrogen. If you've determined that that's the case, uh, you definitely want to flush, I would say a little more than just a few gallons. Uh, I would really just flush your medium out as much as you can. Uh, and then you're going to have basically almost an inert medium. You're going to need to add back all the nutrients. So, you know, the nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, uh, calcium, magnesium, all of the micronutrients, Any amendments that you had, but you don't want to just rush right into that. I mean, in my opinion, you want to flush, get everything out, um, start seeing a little bit of healthy growth, and then um, start with you know quarter strength, half strength of what's recommended uh, on your bottles. Give them a nice light feeding, uh, and 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 boost it up as uh, as you go along but you really don't wanna go right back to a toxic setting after flushing. So, you know, be gentle. Certainly not everything is flushed out when you flush. So keep in mind that there's gonna be some uh, residual uh, salts and and things that are still remaining um, and weren't flushed out. So just be gentle on that first feeding. Um, Like I said, try a quarter to a half strength and you you do definitely have to replenish nutrients after flushing uh and that includes all of the nutrients because again you can't specifically flush out one particular newt and keep the others
0: all right uh danny says be gentle jeff uh we hope that helps you out nitrogen toxicity is hard to say for some reason i think it's because i'm not sleeping well but um okay uh thank you jeff let's move on to uh, bud dy which also looks like buddy but with a space but i think it's bud dy Anyway, he writes, uh, hi, Danny and Mike. Uh, I love your podcast. I'm currently binging, trying to get caught up. And then BudDY, he's, uh, pondering several things. So, um, he writes, my question is regarding exotic strains. What qualifies a strain to be exotic? What is exotic? What makes an OG an OG? Uh, thanks and keep the episodes coming. So what would you say there to BudDY?
1: Okay, uh... It's an interesting question because, you know, th- these are things, the ways that cannabis is sold a lot of times is, oh, well, this is exotic. Uh, you know, this is the runts or this is the the real, you know, gelato or whatever it might be. Um, what qualifies a strain to be exotic really is just <laughs> kind of at the mercy of the general public or whoever you're speaking to. Uh, you know, people will call it exotic because it's a buzzword. Um, as far as OG, What makes OG OG? I mean, OG is is a Kush strain. Uh, If you have the real OG Kush, uh, it's pretty recognizably uh, dank. You know, it's very earthy. Uh, I mean, I would say Kushy, although that's not very descriptive unless, unless, you know, you dabble in a lot of different Kush strains. Uh, Kind of uh, light colored, but with like dark leaves. Um, Very frosty. Um, Not there's not usually big, huge buds in OG Kush. It's typically, uh, kind of like medium size to small nugs. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. You hear, you know, back in when I, when I was younger, you would hear, Oh, this is hydro. This is hydro. Uh, or this is, you know, kind bud or whatever. These are just basically and and the word exotic is just a modern day version of that. It's, it's a, uh, almost want to call it a misnomer, but it's, it's not. It's kind of just a vague way to describe something that's really good. And once you actually know the strain names and things, uh, it becomes a little more uh, understandable. Uh, but, you know, a lot of times people are just calling something exotic because it, that has a good ring to it. And that's what they've been told. And, and you know, typically it means it's more expensive And hopefully it means that it's really, really high quality, you know, so that's really kind of what that term means. I don't think there's any specific things that you can say, oh, this strain is, you know, falls into the category of exotic, although, you know, anything that's hot and new would do so. So, you know, things like I mentioned, runts, uh, gelato, uh, wedding cake, uh, all the cookie kind of sweet new uh fancy strains that are less gassy in many cases those are considered exotic so that's kind of where that's at um uh happily would take uh comments from listeners who who think that you know they may be able to define exotic a little better than that um so if you you know if, if you think the term means something more than what i'm saying please you know write us back and let us know if, if there's a specific thing that you make something exotic but to me, it's just one of those terms. And again, OG, same thing. It's like if it's the OG kush, it's the OG kush. But uh, just calling something OG doesn't necessarily make it so.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And um, so while we're at it, what makes uh, dancing exotic? <laughs> uh, I would imagine, you know, the, the fewer
1: garments, the more exotic. Oh, okay, <laughs> Up to a point, I guess, you know, and then it becomes a little more... Erotic,
0: <laughs> I guess, Good to
1: know. I don't know, but exotic dancers. Is that what you, that what you're referring to?
0: It is. Yes. Okay. Um, thanks, why. Right. We hope that answers your question. We're here for all of your questions, even your gym teacher questions. You can come to us with those and we will do our best to help you out. Um, let's hop over to Facebook where Daniel writes, Hey, Danny and Mike. I love the podcast. My question is, what do you guys think is the optimal distance between tops? How much individual space does each top need to reach its optimal potential? What do you think?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, optimal distance between tops is basically so that the leaves aren't quite, you know, overlapping, I would say. Um, And even if they're touching, it's not really optimal in many ways because uh, bugs can kind of crawl along and switch from top to top and things like that. If you really want optimal tops, I would say you want them to be separated. Uh, you know, each one could use its own, I would say, square foot or less. You know, certainly uh, some some plants uh, have smaller tops than others. Uh, but I would say anywhere between eight, 8 square inches to like 12 square inches or so per top. And one great way to do this uh, is to separate them using... Uh, training techniques and bending and things like that, uh, to separate them and give them their each individual space. But in some cases you see extreme, you know, screen of green type situations, uh, where each top could could only be in like a four inch by four inch square space, uh, and still be doing great and filling out. Um, but as far as optimal distance, you want some air circulation, you want some distance between the leaves in, in many cases. So, I would say optimum would be eight by eight or larger, but in some cases you can go six by six or five by five. Um, it's somewhat strain specific as well.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, thank you, Daniel. We hope that helps you out. Let's, um, let's jump over to Patreon and, um, and strap in because this is a bit of a longer one. It comes from AW who writes, Dear Danko and Mike. Um, I've been a huge fan of your podcast, having listened to all of them, dating all the way back to uh, episode one of Free Weed. Thanks to you, I've excelled in my learning process, and I have had some really great uh, personal harvests, something that certainly would not have happened without your podcast and book. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Okay, on to my issue. Uh, As I've mentioned, I've had some success or possibly a lot of beginner's luck. Recently, I've harvested four hermaphrodites from two separate grows, and I think it may be due unknowingly to stressing my plants however I wanted to get your opinion here's what I'm dealing with Uh, I have a small nursery in an old repurposed armoire Uh, this is where I place my small seedlings until they're ready for my veg tent usually after two to four weeks the temp is around 70 degrees humidity is around 50 percent and uh, there's two humidifiers in the room. The light cycle is 18-6. My veg tent is 3x3, three three, the same atmospherics as the nursery. However, the times are not synced, meaning the 18-6 schedule is off of the nursery cycle. My plants spend at least four weeks in the veg tent. My flower tent is also 3x3 three three with the same atmospherics. The light cycle is 12x12 12 12 and not synced to the veg tent or nursery. Uh, I've done some investigating. This is what might be the culprit. My light cycles are not synced. I recently spotted a light leak in my flower tent. There are high temps in my tents, upwards of 85 degrees. My light timers are old Christmas light dial timers. And here's some other factors he lists. Uh, The herms have been from four separate strains. My water is phed from 5.8 to 6.3. I've had luck with two autoflowers that did not herm during the same grow. And the plants are in 5 gallon cloth PVC radical bags in fox farm soil i know that's a long question but this has been driving me crazy so what would you say to aw what do you think is going on there
1: yeah so uh i think you diagnosed the problem uh by saying basically that uh you know the temperatures get upwards of 85 degrees which can stress your plants out but obviously i think it's the light leak in the flower tent um so you mentioned that you know you spotted a light leak Uh, I'm looking at the actual question here. You said uh, it was through the zipper while it was closed due to wear and tear. Nothing crazy, but some light nonetheless. Could a small leak in the zipper be that big of a factor? I think in combination with the fact that the light cycles are not synced, uh, the temperature gets a little high and there's a light leak. You mentioned it being four different strains as well, saying, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like a particular genetic issue uh so clearly it's it's got to be the environment and i believe it's the light leak in combination with uh, uh the heat being a little higher and uh the timer situation as well uh not having those light cycles synced can you know can definitely confuse the plant although you know if it's going from 16 and 8 into another space that's 16 and 8 but not quite the same 16 or 8 It shouldn't really be an issue. I think a plant can adjust to that. It's got to be really the light leak that's causing it. So what I would do is go inside um, your flower tent, um, turn the light off, and just see where any kind of light is leaking in and and make sure that there is no light leaking in. Uh, And I think you shouldn't have that hermy issue in the future. As for the autos not herming out, that's kind of a tendency of autos as well. Um, Just based on the fact that they have such a short time to live, they really rarely tend to herm as much as uh, as regular, you know, regular seeds or or even feminized seeds in some cases. So uh, I think you, you, you know, you nailed it. It's the light leaks. uh, And I think if you fix that, you're not going to have any issues with hermaphrodites. We should mention to people, you know, plants that are stressed Uh, or sometimes you know it's just a genetic issue but sometimes plants that are females can grow male flowers and what happens is that uh, they pollinate themselves and fill those female seeds uh, female buds with seeds and in the same case uh, male flowers uh, can sometimes hermaphrodite and and grow female seeds and in that way uh, is some of the ways that people get pollen for different breeding projects as well but I think you've diagnosed the problem. It's the light leaks. And uh, thank you for your support and, and keep on growing and fix the
0: light leak. There you go. All right. Uh, thank you, AW. Thanks to everybody who wrote in this week. Uh, if you have a question that you would like answered on this show, get in touch with us. You could email us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. You can also find us on socials, on Patreon, on YouTube, etc., uh, okay, so that does it for the Cultivation segment sponsored by Diamond Cut Co. Uh, what do you say we take a little break, then come back and wrap this up? Let's do it. All right, we are back, and we are in the wrap.
1: Yes, indeed. So I would like to thank DJ Jacques and Winstrong. Uh, Nathaniel Pennington and Hallie Pennington of Humboldt Seed Company. Thank you very much. Uh, as always, Excelsior Extracts. Uh, check out their, their pain relief rub on Instagram. Uh, Sweetleaf Plant Nutrients. Get your free Sweetleaf Newts by signing up at patreon.com. Use code DANCO15 on sweetleaf.com for 15% off everything on the site. And uh, Diamond Cut Co. Trimming Scissors. Check them out as well. Danko 20 gets you 20% off your trimming scissors. Uh, tell them that Dank Danny and uh, Grow Bud Yourself sent you. Uh, check them out on social media as well. Thank you to Vapor.com. Uh, code GBY at Vapor.com gets you 15% off uh, vaporizers and accessories and glass rigs and all kinds of cool stuff. So check out Vapor.com. Use that code GBY and uh thank you to my producer and co-host and always patient Mike G <laughs> Mike Jeezy on Instagram. Follow him. He's incredible at social media. Not
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> a good follow right there. <laughs> Definitely check me out on Instagram.
1: Mike Jeezy with a Z. Uh yeah. Episode number thirty-eight, you guys. I Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week with more Grow Bud Yourself. Um, Please uh, support our Patreon, support our socials, and spread the word on growing the good, kind bud at home for yourself and your friends. I think that's a wrap. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's put this one in the books.